That's just cool. I like that. So I was up in Indianapolis uh, last week, and we went in this restaurant and sat down, and I sat down next to these three high school kids from West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah, I know. I, I prayed for them. Bless their hearts. I mean, I really did. But anyway, I heard them talking about, actually, they were bemoaning uh, about the sorry state of affairs of the Purdue Boilermaker football team. And, and one of the kids said, uh, he said, well, you know, I blame the coach. If he was a little better at recruiting, maybe we could get some players in here and win a few games. But the second kid said, well, I, I, blame, uh, I blame the players. If they just work a little harder and play a little harder, we could win a few games. But the third kid, what I hear is that really made a lot of sense to me. He said, I blame my parents. And they said, your parents, why? He said, well, if they'd have just raised me in Bloomington instead of West Lafayette, I could be rooting for a real team, the Hoosiers, you know what I mean? We've been talking these days about getting into the game around South Union Christian Church, and what that means is we're actually talking about our roles, each one of us, as ministers at South Union Christian Church, because we've all got a job to do, which is pretty cool stuff. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Paul says that we are uh, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. I mean, that's awesome stuff. Thank you, Father, for giving us something to do. I mean, that passage of Scripture makes it crystal clear that every one of us were created for a reason, and that's to serve. And I think the reason we talk about this kind of stuff from time to time is we need to be reminded, especially these days, that we weren't put on this planet to consume. We were put on this planet to contribute. And I think we need to talk about that because a lot of us, me included, would have lots rather just been baptized and zapped to heaven. You know what I mean? just come up out of the baptistry and have a heart attack and go right home. I mean, sign me up for that, right? No. No, the Bible makes it crystal clear that you and I were saved to serve. We were gifted to serve. That's why we're here to serve. So we need to get in the game now more than ever. Job said to God in Job chapter 10, verse 8, your hands made me and shaped me. Now, Rick Warren said years ago, that God has gifted all of us in different areas uh, in order to shape us to serve. He, he uses our spiritual gifts, our hearts and passion, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences. It's a great study. We're not going to go into it now because we did that together 15 years ago in this church, Purpose Driven Life. Remember doing that? And what we found out in that study is that God has wired each one of us in here for a special reason. We're all a bunch of characters and he uses each one of us to get his business done. And we believe that at South Union, not because we heard it in a sermon and not because we read it in a book, but because we found it in the Word of God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift he's received to make lots and lots of money. Is that what it says? No. Each of you should use whatever gift he's received to get grand applause from men and from heaven. No. Each of you should use whatever gift he's received to, what do you know, serve others. In other words, you know that one thing you do that you're so good at, that one talent? Some of you have two or three of them. God didn't give that to you for you. He gave that to you to use to serve other people in His name. Remember the first line of the Purpose Driven Life book? The first line says, it's not about you. Life is not about you. And I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off of me. Because that means I've only got one job to do, and so do you. That's to love God and love people by serving God and serving His people. Very good, because now I know why I'm here. I mean, can I get you a cup of coffee or a donut or something? Because I, I mean, that's why I'm here, to serve. That's why you're here to serve. In fact, the word we use for that in English is the word minister. 
And, and we have to talk about that from time to time because we misunderstand that word. Most people think when you say minister, you're talking about a priest or a pastor that stands up here and, you know, t- talks about a bunch of stuff and tells funny jokes and that kind of thing. But that's not it. In fact, I had a little kid come to me about three weeks ago, and he said, Pastor Jimmy, when I get older, I'm going to give you all my money. And I said, well, man, that's cool. Why? He said, because my daddy says, you're the poorest minister we've ever had. <laughs> okay, no, that's, that, that's not what a minister is. In fact, according to the Bible, all of us are ministers. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. Now, I admit not all Christians are pastors, but make no mistake about it, all believers in Christ are ministers. In fact, I've heard people say, I've not been called to the ministry. Yes, you have. If you've been called to salvation, then you've been called to serve. And if you've been called to serve, guess what you are? You're a minister. Now, the neat thing is God didn't just assign us ministry down here and then leave us to figure out how to get it done. He sent Jesus to show us how to get it done. And we talked about this several times already this year, that the reason you and I are here is to grow up more like Jesus Christ. Well, what's the thing Jesus did more than anything else when he was on the planet? The answer is he served. And so if you and I want to grow up to be more like Christ, then we're going to learn to serve like Christ. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, you want to grow up to be like Jesus, and I know you do, then you need to learn to serve. And and listen, we already know this, all of us in here, that there's no more satisfaction to be found in life than to serve God by serving other people. I I just, just this last week, I watched Christy and Angie do what they've done uh, hundreds of times since we've been here. Uh, We had a funeral, and they went out and bought food for the funeral. They brought it to church. They put the food together. They served the people. They cleaned up and put everything together. And that's the most joy I see in them. That's the happiest they are when they're doing that kind of thing. It's the same with all of us. And so I want to talk just a few minutes this morning about being shaped to serve like Jesus and, and some of the things it will take from us to get that done right now in the, in the world we're living in right now. Here's the first one. We need to be available. That's number one. Listen, Jesus was busy. He had a lot of stuff going on, but he was always available. In Matthew 20, 29 to 32, Jesus was walking down the road. He'd had a busy day. He was still having a busy day. And two blind men said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the Bible said he stopped, looked him right in the eye and said, what is it you want me to do for you today? Now, the key word in that phrase, the ministry word in that phrase is he stopped. He stopped. I mean, there it is. If you and I want to learn to serve other people the way Jesus did, we got to be willing to be interrupted once in a while. And let's be honest, nobody likes that. We don't like interruptions in any part of our life. I had a terrible nightmare last week. I I dreamed that my Netflix, my Hulu, and my Prime all got interrupted. Turned out it was just a bad stream. Ooh, that's bad stuff. Listen, let's just, that's <laughs> terrible. We, we don't like to be interrupted. Most of us in here don't mind serving. Just don't ask me to do that while I'm watching a ball game. While my grandkids have come over to play. While I'm ta- trying to take a nap or eat dinner. I mean, we don't mind serving. Just make sure it doesn't happen when I'm busy, right? Well, can I tell you something? That's sure not the way it was for Jesus. Most of Jesus' miracles and most of his ministry was done through interruptions. The blind men that we just talked about, the sick girl, the dead girl, the woman caught in adultery, 
these people coming by the hundreds, night and day to be served. Remember um, the kids we talked about just two weeks ago? Came and interrupted him on his busiest day. Even the first miracle Jesus did, remember where it happened? At a party, at a wedding reception. He was always busy, but he was always available. Proverbs 3.28 says, Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help him today. Servant-minded, servant-hearted people see a need and they take care of it right now. I love John Wesley's motto. It goes like this. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times that you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. That is the definition of service. That's being shaped to serve like Jesus Christ. And that sounds good and warm and fuzzy in a sermon like this, but if we're going to pull that off, we've got to be available. We've got to be willing. We've got to say, Lord, I'll get out of my comfort zone, and I'll help Jackie and Mark. They asked last week, I'll help them. Next week, Jeremy's going to make an appeal. You've got to be willing and available to do that. Now, we've said this before, and it's never been more true than it is right now. There are hurting, needing people around us constantly, and it's growing constantly. My sister Claudia told me they're getting 1,000 calls a day with people having problems right now. There are people in this church right now, maybe sitting next to you right this very minute. They're in need, and you and I have got to stay available. And the honest truth is, most of us are not. We're not. And there's some reasons for it. There's three main barriers that are keeping us from getting in the game and keeping us being available to do what we know we should be doing for the kingdom of God. And the first one straight up is self-centeredness. Isn't that something? Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, each of you should look not only for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. I love the way this reads in the message version. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. In other words, anytime you and I see a need... Anytime it's obvious that somebody needs some help, that's our hello moment from God that we can be shaped like Jesus, that we can serve like Jesus Christ. And the thing that shuts that down more than anything else in our lives right now, are you ready for this, is we're too busy taking care of ourselves. For some reason, we're being taught that's what it's all about, is us. And this whole selfie movement that's sweeping our nation goes a whole lot deeper than a picture on an iPhone. We're being taught to take care of our own agendas, push our own ideas, take care of our own families. You know, wear it, don't wear it, take it, don't take it. It's all about you. It's all about me, mine, 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 mine. Christians, we got to get rid of this nonsense. It's not about us. It never has been. It's about the kingdom of God. You know, uh, it's goofy, but when we go on vacation, I always feel bad when we get there and we see all the people around us working. You know, they're cutting the grass, and they're taking our luggage, and they're, you know, waiting on us. And I always feel like a jet setter, and they're doing work, and I'm not. And I always make it clear, boy, it's nice to be on vacation. When do you get to go on vacation? In fact, one time last year, we stayed in this hotel, and it seemed like I was bothering this gal so much. And, and I, I apologize. I'm sorry to bother you, but do you have a map of the city? No, I'm sorry to bother you. Do you have a, is there a place in town that's good to eat? I mean, I hate to bother you. Can we have some more towels? The grandkids got to No, I hate to bother you. Can I get an extra pillow? And she finally said, sir, you're not bothering me. This is my job. In other words, shut up. Here's your pillow. You know what I mean? And we ought to have that same attitude as that gal, as Christians, to the people around us. It's not about us. It's about serving God. And we ought to say, Lord God, if you've got somebody that's got a need, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Your agenda is my agenda. It's not about me. 
let's do it right now, Lord. I'm ready to go. You, you want me to sign up with Jackie? I'll go right out of here and do it. You want me to sign up and help Mark? I'll do it. You want me to get involved in a small group? You want me to help cut the grass around here, clean things up around here? We've got a lot going on, Lord. I want to get in the game. It's not about me. It's about you. We've got to get rid of this self-centeredness. It's hard to do because we're being taught all about me. The second barrier is about perfectionism. You know how we do that. Well, I don't mind helping, but let me get everything together first. I may make sure I got this straight. Let me get things at home ready and then come back to I want to get all my ducks in a row because everybody knows if you're going to do something for God, it's got to be perfect, right? Well, there's a word in the Greek that describes that kind of thinking. It's called hogius washius, and it's where we get our English word hogwash, and that's not a bit true. But it is hogwash to think that way. Listen, if God had to wait till he found a perfect per- person to get something done, you know what he get done? Nothing. God is awesome. He specializes in using imperfect people in imperfect situations with imperfect things to get amazing things done. It's written all through the Bible. It's written all through history. Ecclesiastes 11.4 reads, if you wait for the perfect condition, you're never going to get anything done. So listen, we got to get out of this selfish mode. we got to take care of our families. If you don't take care of your families, the Bible says you're worse than a pagan. I get that. But it's not about us and our families. It's about the kingdom. You do that, he'll take care of everything else. we got to get rid of the self-centeredness stuff. we got to get rid of this perfectionism, because until Christ comes back, that ain't going to happen. And the third thing, and this is the big one, is materialism, and it's getting worse all the time. Jesus taught so clear about this stuff. He knew we would struggle with this. We always have. Uh, Clearly, more than a third of the parables were about money. He talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. He said in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no man can serve two masters. I'm going to say that again for me. As I close into retirement, I'm thinking way too much about that. No man can serve two masters. He'll either love the one and hate the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot. It's a lie. It's one of those places where we have to make a choice as Christians, and it's a big choice. Do I want to be rich, or do I want to be blessed? You cannot choose both. You can have both. I see it all the time, but you can't choose both. Does that make sense? Because if I choose to be rich, I can find it. I can get stuff, and I can get money, and I can pile it up, but my focus will be there and not on the kingdom of God. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. You cannot serve both God and money. You can have money and serve God. I see that a lot, too. You can't choose both. Does that make sense? I think we've talked enough about that. We get it. But I'm telling you now more than ever with the economy the way it is and inflation and all the stuff, we've got to ask ourselves constantly, am I running after that? Am I spending too much money or too much time thinking about money? Or am I serving God? So we're going to have to give up self-centeredness. We're going to have to give up this perfection idea. And we're going to have to stop chasing money and just get in the game. That's why we're here, to get in the game. Not to come to church once a week, to get in the game. Number two, serving like Jesus means being grateful like Jesus. Jesus loved to serve. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is John chapter 11. And if you've ever been to one of my funerals, I always bring it up. I just love that story. Uh, most people think Jesus went to just a funeral. He did, but there's a whole lot more than that. He went in mind to raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, that's the passage where he stood up in front of the crowd and said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me will live even if they die. And they said, man, that sounds pretty good, now prove it. So he did. 
He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the ground. I, I told you before, I love the commentator that said, he, if he hadn't spoke his name, the whole cemetery would have come out. That's awesome. But before he did that, he prayed, and he didn't just pray, he prayed out loud so that everybody could hear it, and so 2,000 years later, you and I could hear it. Verse 41, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. I want them to know I love doing this. I love serving you. I'm thankful to be able to do this. And people say, well, I'd be thankful too if I could raise the dead. No, no, no. Jesus was thankful when he got mistreated. He was thankful when he got misquoted. He was thankful when they loved him. He was thankful when they criticized him. He was thankful when they hated him. In fact, the greatest act of service ever, he was grateful. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was even thankful to die for us. Is that crazy? That's why you and I should do what the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. We ought to be happy all the time. You say, with all this stuff going on around us, yeah, you mean I ought to be happy? Yeah, why should I be happy? I mean, you're kidding me, right? Every one of us in here was on a one-way road to hell until Jesus came down here and fixed it. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I know there's movies and books out there about 45 minutes in heaven and almost there and all these kind of things, and they're wonderful things to look at. Can I suggest that you pick up a book called 30 Minutes in Hell? And read that and see what Jesus Christ has saved you from. And if he doesn't do one other thing for us, he deserves to be served for the rest of our lives. The Bible says that he who saved us chose us for his holy work, not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan. And we ought to be so thankful that we're part of that. We ought to serve the Lord with gladness. Barb Clausen her great uncle did that. He's, he, he was 100 years old and was driving all the neighborhood people around that couldn't drive. On his 100th birthday, he went down to the BMV to get his driver's license, the DMV. He went to the license branch to get his driver's license renewed. And the clerk said, sir, you're 100 years old. Why do you need a driver's license? He said, duh. Somebody's got to drive these old people around, and I'm glad to do it. And he did it for five more years. That's serving the Lord with gladness right there to the very end. And that's what we should be doing. But just like trying to stay available, there's some barriers to that. Uh, I had two or three. I'm going to mention one because I'm running low on time. This is the big one, and this is the craziest thing to me in the church, the absolute craziest thing. I hate it when I find it in me, and I find it in here. When we criticize and compare and complain, I mean, you just think about this church this morning. We got a church full of people in here, men and women, and young men and young women and girls and boys that are tickled to death to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, we're tickled to death that we have all the promises of Jesus Christ. We're tickled to death that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us and protecting us from all this garbage going on there. Everybody in here is just busting at the seams to be children of God. If I'm right, say amen. amen. All right, I think so. And here's the deal. The crazy thing is this. All across the country this morning, there are hundreds, no thousands of churches that are celebrating with this same kind of enthusiasm. And just like us, they're going to bust these doors out and go back into the community. And in every one of those churches, and in this one, not very often, praise God, but even in this one, we bump into the spirit of criticism and comparing. 
and we criticize that church for doing it that way, and we compare ourselves to that church that does it this way, and we criticize you because you're not wearing a mask, and we compare ourselves with you because you didn't get vaccinated, and we compare. Man, I hate to sound like the Apostle James, but brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. We're on the same team here, and there's never been a time in our history where the world needs us to be team players. And when the world sees us out there fighting like that and comparing like that, a red flag comes up. They're not going to think we believe anything we're saying. And if they don't believe us, we can't serve them. And if we can't serve them, we can't tell them about Jesus. We ought to be all about the west side. We're all about Sherwood Oaks East and Smithville and North Side and Clear Creek and all the Baptist churches. That Anybody that's preaching Christ crucified is on our team. And we need to be teaming up with them. The world needs us for that. Okay, one more and we'll take communion. See how I'm sliding through there. Serving Jesus means being faithful to the end. It just means we don't quit. You don't ever give up. John 17, 4. Jesus said to the Father, I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. You just finish it. You don't stop. This, this is the neatest church I've ever been around. I'm, I'm going to be 64 years in October 64 years old, and I've been in a lot of churches. I've never seen one like this. I mean, I just mean that. Uh, uh, this is a place to come if you've got kids. This is the place to come if you like worship and not a performance. This is the place to come if you like to pray, because this is a praying church, trust me. This is a place to come if you're all about women's ministry. This is a place to come if you want to serve. This is a place to come if you want people to love on you and you want to love on them back. This is the place. But, man, we cannot stop. In fact, it's time to ramp it up. This is the only thing that matters. And we're being so distracted by everything. I mean, we got Afghanistan and Kabul, and we got stuff going on in Washington, D.C., and we got stuff going on out in Seattle, and we got stuff going on in Monroe County. You got stuff going on in the school corporation. It's all around you. We need to stop and be focused and remember this is the only thing that matters right here. Only one life, and then it's past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else is fluff. So that's why we come here every week to this table, to be reminded, to be refocused. That's why this place is so important, that we can put all that down and come in here. Remember the old Monopoly illustration? How many times have we talked about that? You play the game Monopoly, you put all the stuff out on the board, and you have a good time with it, and you play it, and when it's over, what happens? Houses, hotels, cars, money, all goes back in the box. Somebody else gets to play. Same with you. One of these days, you're going to go in a box. You know what I mean? And when that day comes, only one thing will matter. What's going on here? Through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So, uh, I don't know what you guys ask each other to do for each other today. But this would be a good time to ask the Lord to empower you to fulfill that ask. And then say, Lord, while we're on the subject, what is it do you want from me? Because... Your agenda is my agenda, not mine, not my family. It's all about you and the kingdom. Spend some time with him. If you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian, come up here and talk to me.